mention it. Yeah. you mentioned the podcast with kevin and dane he's dane <laughs> i'm kevin what's up what's that going nice. on yeah it's pretty cool S- switching it up yeah we're in stew b is this yeah. stew a or b this is stew b this is stew b yeah auxiliary stew yeah um back after another two two weeks mm, was it a, a week. week a week just a week yeah yeah this is like a mostly we- Weekly slash bi-weekly right. podcast. Right. I want to start making that clear. Yeah. Weekly slash bi-weekly. Right. Yeah. De- determined by what we... Yeah, determined, on what, determined by what the topic is that week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so today we're talking about environmental racism, um, which, uh, you know, I'm going to be arguing for <laughs> environment. <laughs> yeah, we're really going to disagree a lot on this yeah. one. I'm, I'm taking yeah. a pro environmental racism <laughs> stance. No, we're talking about environmental racism in the main segment of today's show. The book we used was A Terrible Thing to Waste Environmental Racism and Its Assault on the American Mind by Harriet Washington, which was really dope. Um, but before that, what you got? Oh, what? This was a pretty eventful week, right? Was it? No, it wasn't. I don't know what happened. Like, you know, I've been in a bubble, so I don't know yeah. what the fuck is really going on. To be honest, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, don't know. I haven't really been paying attention to much new music. You hipped me to the new West Side Gun. Yeah, which is the, good. The West Side Gun. And is then I saw Clams fire. Casino came out with the project, and you hit me to that. I really like Clams Casino. Yeah, he's fire. Yeah. Um. Other than that, yeah, I don't know. Um. Man, what's the status of your apps? Update the people. Oh, I know they need to know. This is pressing, <laughs> pressing news. <laughs> um, shit, I haven't turned in anything yet. I have like, I have every, I have six due on the fifteenth of okay. December, and then two on the first, and then two on the fifteenth of January. Mm. So, yeah, this is a. So you're like almost at the month away mark, right? This is like crunch time. Yeah, it is, and yeah. it's kind of like. I'm feeling it now mm. where it's like, oh shit, I got to like hurry up and polish this, you know, writing sample and redo, you know, my statement and shit like that. So it's, it's a lot, but I feel good about it though. At the same time, yeah. like I know last year I didn't do shit. Like I just like turned shit in. Right. Just off the cuff. Yeah. Just off the cuff. And it was just like, Hey, okay. I still got, I still got like some cool feedback last year. I got the interview at Cornell, so yeah, you know, I know if I got that shit off of just some bullshit, <laughs> actually putting in some work, I should have some, you know, cool success yeah. this time around. And then when and then when you're in a PhD program, you know, you can somehow finesse it so that I'm I'm in there too. Oh yeah, no, I mean the, yeah, yeah I, I'm. 
all about nepotism. Yeah, yeah. We need, <laughs> we need to establish the web of nepotism as no, soon as course. possible. Of course. What, like, I could be the... I don't know what I could be. I could just be. I could just be the intern. You could just be like, yeah, I have an intern. That's part of it when you're teaching a class. Because like, if you're in a PhD program, you're gonna have to teach undergrad. Undergrad, right. right? Just be like, yeah, this is my intern. It's the he's the TA. He's my TA. I'm yeah. the TA. You have my you TA. have your personal. I have my own TA. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty fire. But I would definitely try to like finagle some shit. Like depending on where it's at, I'm like, yo, like I'm about to go to the philosophy department and holla at him for you. Yeah, just yeah. whatever you gotta do. But um, all right. So apps are apps are coming up. Yeah, yeah. deadlines are deadlines, deadlines are coming up. I don't really have anything either. I don't really. There's no new shows I'm watching. I know it's like dead since Succession is yeah on the TV front for me. Like I've been, I mean, all I do all I do is watch the news and basketball. Yeah, yeah. Like if I'm watching TV or something, yeah. Yeah, I haven't even really been watching basketball. The Knicks are like one and seven. Dame just dropped uh, sixty last night. That's ridiculous. And they lost. <laughs> <laughs> and then D'Angelo Russell dropped fifty-two. Wow. And they lost. Wow. Yeah. Golden State is trash. Yeah. Golden State is trash. I'm, I'm loving it actually. Yeah, I saw the Heat demolished the. The Rockets. And got smoked last night by the Lakers. The Heat did? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. This NBA season is is wild. This I mean, crazy. it's crazy. Like, I I am a staunch Laker hater. But those motherfuckers look like a juggernaut. Really? Right now. Hmm. They lost the first game, and they won seven straight. I haven't I haven't even watched them. Yeah. They at they all. lost they lost to the Clippers opening night and then they haven't lost since. All right, that's good. Yeah. I want them to win it. Yeah, I'm 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 interested in in another LeBron championship. Yeah. Even though it's going to be for the Lakers and I'm not really a fan of that, right. but I fuck with LeBron enough to be like, "All right. I would I I would really enjoy seeing that just so I can see all of my friends that are Laker cult members and therefore mm-hmm. members Kobe. of the, co- the Kobe cult Kobe. of co- the Kobe. Mamba Kobe. Kobe. <laughs> and for all the years that they were doing moral gymnastics and and hiding behind Kobe yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, yeah. and downplaying the accomplishments of LeBron in favor of propping up Kobe as if they're like, you have to pick one or the other. Right. Like It's not like they both can be really fucking good. It was all about Kobe. And then even last year when it was a shit show with LeBron, they were like hating on LeBron. I would love to see them win and just see how they how they would. No, the yeah. Laker fans, I mean, the Laker fans are definitely doing a lot of like gymnastics, mental gymnastics yeah. with this LeBron shit. Because for years, I mean, what, 15 years, they've been talking about how whack he is mm-hmm. and he's not Kobe and this and this and that. He doesn't have the Mamba mentality. Right. And now it's like he has y'all on y'all best you know, start in almost a decade. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like cats are like super quiet and it's just Laker gang. That's all you hear now. It's just yeah. Laker gang. You don't yeah. even... So 
Yeah, I don't fuck with Laker fans. Laker fans are probably the worst sports fans. Yeah, I would say the Laker fans are the worst above like Yankees fans. It's weird because the weird thing about Lakers fans is that like Knicks fans, maybe it's a New York thing, but I don't know. Like I'm a Mets fan, like diehard Mets fan, but Mm -hmm. I shit talk the Mets all the time. Like Mets fans, like true blue Mets fans, like they love the Mets, but they fucking they most They're likely critical. hate the ownership. They fucking hate mm-hmm. the Wilpons. They they all all the time are like admonishing the organization for being a fucking joke and always doing the wrong thing. Right. You know? And same with the Knicks. Like the Phil Jackson thing was a fucking mess. The Dolans are James Dolan is a fucking joke of an owner. All that shit. Mm-hmm. But like with Yankees fans or like Lakers fans, I never hear them being self critical at right. all. Right. No. You know? Yeah. It's like, like it's really more of like a cult thing. It is because like Laker fans, like in the dark days of Lakerdom, they would make arguments as if like they're gonna make a run. Like it was you know Shaq left and. You know, he's in Miami. It's just Kobe and a bunch of fucking scrubs, you know, after that that last uh, championship run that they made when they lost to Detroit. All those Laker fans were still on some, with Kobe, we still got a chance. We still got a shot. It's delusion. Like, get the fuck out of (laughs) here. Like, please. Like, dude is missing the playoffs and shit and getting bumped in the first round. And y'all are surprised. Like, look at his team. They suck. And so, yeah, they the Laker fans are the worst. Like, they'll argue. It, it could be Kobe and a fucking team full of soup cans yeah. and they would like dead ass yeah, I think I think it might happen yeah, yeah this yeah. is this is the year yeah. I mean you see that Campbell soup can like see him in a post like <laughs> <laughs> like legit like fucking delusional so yeah. yeah yeah fuck Laker fans shout out to LeBron though shout out to LeBron um oh yeah I do have one thing looking at my notes this is totally fucking tangential but so for my second job I do like the private tutoring thing, mm-hmm. as you know. And so I have to go to these lavish ass apartments right. and apartment buildings. Doormen. I've got a thing with doormen. A, it's like I have this duality of thinking because part of me is like, fuck them. Because they they really vibe you out if you're not like one of the tenants. Mm-hmm. Like even though I'm showing up every Monday and Wednesday and they know who I am, it's like, it's like an imposition that I'm showing up. Like if you're one of the fucking people that have a mad million dollar apartment and right. they treat you like fucking royalty and their kids, their fucking psychopathic monarchical kids, <laughs> they treat them like, you know, but like if you're like a guest or whatever, they're like, oh yeah, go, go on, go on the fuck up. Like they might as well be like, yeah, take this back entrance and shit like that. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like yeah. what's your name again? I'm like, bro, I've been coming every day for the past three months. You know, my name is Dane. You know, I'm here for you know, I'm the fucking tutor. Like, right. let's. It's so it's it's funny that you say that because it's almost like they identify with you know, like you just work here. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Like you, you don't live here. You just work here, and it's almost like they identify with it to a point that mm-hmm. they like look down upon. Oh, for, you. there's definitely like, that vibe because it's yeah. also like I'm not I'm not like I'm not in like my mid 40s pulling up pulling up in like a suit popped right. out of like the limo or whatever. Like I'm just like showing up in jeans and a t-shirt with a backpack here to tutor, and they're like, "What's your name again? What's your name again?" Yeah, going up, blah blah blah. Yeah. And, but then so it's like fuck them on that level. But then it's also like. 
some of these buildings I go to, like the old school New York, like Upper East Side buildings, it's like they still make these motherfuckers wear the the suit with the, the hat, the shit brown. <laughs> it's and I'm like. And I'm like, this is so fucking outmoded. Hey, like, you it, really have to make them wear the hat. Like, it's really? The, the sh- Bro, every time I'm on the Upper East Side and I'm like, and I see those cats with the hats and all of that shit, it's, it's hilarious. Because it's like, dude, like you're standing here for eight to ten hours, you know, scalding people who walk by, you know, as if like. Again, like as if you live here, as if you own this spot. Like, dude, you're just, you're just a security guard, bro. And those, and these, some of them are like, like at the more modern buildings, they still make them dress up. They don't make them wear the hats, but they wear like the sleek suits, which right. is like, all right, fine. But like the really od shit is the, the suit that probably is itself from 1950. Right. Still, no, that's definitely like the Upper East Side vibe. Yeah, like for sure. And I, there's something about that suit, like they get into character or something. It's yeah, like, it's, it's like good, good morning, Mrs. Jensen. <laughs> like hi, I'm like bro, it's 2019. Hey, yeah, yeah. Taking the hat off and shit. Yeah, bro, they. Yeah, that's it's a really little, blustery day out there today. Like bundle up, bag. kids, and then he sees me. Yeah, yeah, go on. The yeah, phone. go on. Upstairs. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> fuck that. So like, my heart bleeds for them because they're ha- they have to do this fucking draconian, antiquated bullshit in the name of God knows what. Like, because mm-hmm. is it the tenants that want that? They yeah. they like vote on it. Like now, <laughs> another year, we're gonna still make them wear that shit. Like. But then it's but then it's also like fuck them because they totally yeah yeah that's that's where I'm at like I think like I can empathize with people based on like a you know a class level like oh you know you're a working class person you you know working at this company or this you know building or whatever the fuck that you don't really want to do but you have to do yeah I empathize with that but when he, when you step beyond that and now you're like an asshole protector of the shit that's like that's ruining your life like (laughs) like you're mad because you have to sit up here with the brown suit and the top hat the little bellman you know hat and shit and it's like dude don't get mad at me you know so yeah yeah so that's my that's my doorman rant but yeah yeah fuck all the doormen (laughs) who are like who are like that like fuck y'all yeah all the doormen who are just like, look, this is my job, and just cool, just neutral through and through. I, I, I fuck with you. I because, really respect yeah. the neutral right. doormen. But even like, yeah, there's a mix. Like some of them at the old school spots definitely fucking get into character and identify with mm-hmm. the whole thing, and they're the ones that are like vibing me out and shit. Right. And there's even some, but then there's like some really nice guys that are like, yeah, going up, you know the drill. But then there's at the super sleek modern like downtown swanky Soho shit. There's mm. also people that there's also doormen that are like fucking just like, yo, you're just being a prick needlessly. Like, you know right. who I am. Like, let's not do this whole. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. Fuck them too. Yeah. Fuck the doormen. All right. So take a break and uh, I'll come back and argue for uh, racism. For, right? for you're a, you're racism. a fucking white supremacist. Yeah. All right. All in love with me.
All right. Yo. What? You got a. You brought us. Oh. You brought us in at the. Off I mean, the you might as well do it. Just you're talking. Already. It's special when I do it. So. Wow. <laughs> okay. Fine. Fucking reluctantly again. <laughs> Welcome back to the Now That You Mentioned podcast. I hope you enjoyed that musical break. As much as we did. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Um, follow us on social media, please. There was a moment where the analytics on the Instagram were were trending positively. Right. And, and then, then they, they fell and off. And then they fell off. I, yeah, I don't I, know what that's about. I don't know what explains it. Yeah. So, also, you told me that after 14 episodes, the algo... Some mysterious shit would happen with the algo. Yeah, I mean that's what I read. I'm just I was going off okay, of the information read, that, okay, that okay. I read. Yeah. All right. Well, again, if anyone knows about the algo and what you need to do to optimize the algo right. after 14 episodes, who we need to talk to at Apple, Spotify, so we get featured and launched properly. Properly launched. Right. Yeah. So follow us on social media at NTYMyPod. Um, yeah, that's it. We're talking about environmental racism. Yeah. It's heavy. Heavy shit. Yeah. I mean, heavy, but again, I'm here to argue (laughs) for it. No, okay. Um, how should we, how should we start? Okay. Actually, I I think, I think I have a a good idea of how to start. So the, the premise of Harriet Washington's book is that she's addressing this long-held notion that there's a 15-point IQ gap in the average IQ between white Americans and black Americans. And she's addressing the fact that, or the, the scientific assumptions, that IQ is innate, hereditary, um, genetic, and fixed, not malleable. And therefore, and she's also addressing the policy implications of that, Namely, that because IQ is hereditary, genetic, not malleable, fixed, that any intervention policies aimed at trying to close the 15-point IQ gap between white and black Americans is a fool's errand and would be a waste of resources. Mm -hmm. So she's challenging a number of things. She's challenging the IQ gap itself by... Challenging the very nature of what what scientists have thought about IQ, but it actually turns out that IQ is not fixed. It is malleable. And she's also saying that exposure to toxins in the environment actually affects IQ. And who suffers that exposure disproportionately in the United States? It's people of color. And that explains the IQ gap. So it's sort of like a, a dual a dual thesis. On one prong, she's challenging the idea that IQ is fixed and you, you get you get your IQ at birth and that's it. And on the other hand, she's saying she's giving a, a like a, a causal explanation of why, why the IQ right. gap exists. Yeah, so it's not necessarily two, it's not a two prong thesis per se, but it's sort of you know, explaining or grounding why. So if, if IQ isn't, you know, fixed, 
then if it's not fixed, then it can be influenced by, you know, a number of factors. And so yes, her, yeah, her right. thing is based on exposure to, you know, neurotoxins and shit like that negatively or adversely, you know, impacts people of color as it pertains to IQ. Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, it would be, it would take us fucking five episodes to unpack the history of IQ. <laughs> right, right. All of the, the studies and sort of the, the progression of information being advanced and then studies that sort of rebuke it. But should we talk about what IQ is? I mean, the very notion of IQ is sort of like this sort of, sort of a dubious concept, as she points out in mm-hmm. the first in the first chapter, where right. the the, uh, the creator of the IQ test, Alfred Binet, the French psychologist, from the jump said that this test is only designed to measure certain cognitive functions of students who are already underperforming. Right, and he never meant it to be used as a gauge of a person's concrete intelligence nor as a gauge of a person's supposed like intellectual potential he just saw it as like the sort of diagnostic test to administer right. just to just to students who are already underperforming for some reason right. now over the course of time the exact opposite has happened where we see the intelligence quotient as absolutely that's just like your intellectual potential Right. And so there's all these sort of spurious notions about like you're what do you what is the IQ test actually even measuring? Right. And I, I think like a lot of critics of the IQ test have always like pointed out how much it's it's more of a social test than anything. And so naturally in a society that's, you know, built on inequality, if you have a if you have a test that's designed to accentuate for the researcher accentuate the deficiencies in somebody's you know iq or whatever as it pertains to them within this particular social context then yeah naturally when you take into consideration the the, you know the social exclusion economic exclusion and then all the environmental shit that adversely impacts iq then no it's a fucking no-brainer that you know people in poor urban areas or people from poor rural areas are going to have lower IQs. So I think like it's it's almost like um it's almost a conspiratorial in a sense where you you're just finding info to substantiate what the conclusion that you've already, you know. Well, that's perfect. That's a perfect place for what I was just going to say, which is that I think a really important thing before we really dive into the shit is that the belief, the predominant belief has always been that people of color are intellectually inferior. That belief predates any scientific evidence that supposedly would support it. Right. So on page 33, she writes, it is important to realize that the belief in the innate, irreversible intellectual inferiority of people of color predated any objective tests or measurements of their abilities. So this sort of pervasive belief in the inherent intellectual inferiority of people of color like compromised or has compromised any really objective analysis 
right. of it. And then you also had the really interesting points she brought up about, you were saying the IQ test is more of a, a social mm-hmm. test. When, when scientists have accrued data that has supported their claim that there is an in, innate inferiority between white people and black people in terms of IQ – you know, the samples that they're using, like they, they would go to like African countries and do an IQ test. And it's like Washington points out that in America, we are sort of programmed to think or we're incentivized in terms of like do well on this test. Oh, that Maybe that'll bode well for me. Mm-hmm. People in Africa are like – what is the relationship between me doing well on this test and anything else? Right. Like my lot in life. And I think Washington points that out beautifully where she's like, you're not really, if all the variables are held the same, then maybe it's measuring something. Mm -hmm. But in terms of if you're taking, if you're administering a test in a place that doesn't have access to clean water and food, let alone educational opportunities, like what is, what are you really measuring? It's right. not really like the variables aren't being held constant. Right. And, the, and, and that's like part of her larger point in showing the disparity because that same that test that you or, you know, that you just laid out, that could be done here. Right. Like we could do that. We could go to fucking East New York. And I'm sure the kids in East New York are underperforming based on a lot of factors environmentally as well as socioeconomically that's impacting their ability to perform on that test and so because of that then they'll be labeled oh you you know your low iq special needs yada 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 or whatever but that it just shows like the inherent disparity that you know that's present in the country yeah when you look at it from that perspective so I think so I think what we're saying is that the collection of data, um, and the data that's been employed in service of this thesis about the IQ gap, is like dubious. Well, the other thing is that I think we should just get into it. Like the science, I want to be clear: the science shows Washington isn't just like nah, fuck all that. Like the science shows that IQ isn't fixed. Mm-hmm. And okay, so how do we know this? The first example that she points to is the iodine thing. Right. You want to... Right. So she uh, she basically lays out how iodine, like the we get iodine from salt or whatever. Yeah. She basically pointed out how iodine... Uh, what, what was it that is sort of... Um, I mean, it enhances the IQ based on... So I think it was in the, in the 20s or at the, ter- at the beginning of the 20th century, um, goiters... Yeah, right, right. Mad people were getting goiters, which is like an inflamed thyroid. Right. And iodine like ameliorated that. Mm -hmm. So they, so they, the government, the U.S. government and mass just added iodine to salt. And that's why we have fucking iodized salt. And then as a result, the IQ they saw. Exactly. And then in World War II, when they started doing like tests, I think it was for the Air Force, they noticed that people that had previously had low levels of iodine that now like had been bumped up as a result of the government pouring all this fucking iodine into salt now had way higher IQs. And so the science supports that the IQ 
was influenced by iodine and now we know right. that iodine is like super super important in terms of the development of the brain and that's right. why it's really important to like, pour salt on everything get babies <laughs> get babies their iodine but what's crazy is that now that we have this like obsession with maybe it's just my my people but the the sea salt Mm-hmm. There's, yeah, no, there's no, there's no, no iodine. iodine in that. Yeah, it's no iodine. And I was bugging out. I was telling you earlier after reading that part, I went in to my cabinet because we have a thing of that Morton salt that mm-hmm. always says iodized, but it's actually the Morton sea salt, mm, non iodized. And then I, I never noticed it before, but there was a little disclaimer on the label that said, this not, "Please note, there's, there's no iodine. There's no iodine in right, this right, shit." Right. And like. Like, damn. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that's one of the main points in terms of how we know that IQ is not this innate thing that can't be changed. I mean, a number of studies and scientists over the years have shown that IQ actually is going up in time spans that cannot be traceable to genetics. Right. So, like, like, it's too too quick. Um, So, yeah. So, we know that IQ isn't fixed. And we know that the presence or absence of certain chemicals and substances in the brain can have a causal impact mm-hmm. on IQ. So then it's like, okay, so what explains this 15-point IQ gap? And I guess we should get into the lead shit? Yeah. I mean. So lead is bad. Axe <laughs> Flint. Lead is bad. Lead is fucking terrifying. The lead shit is is so crazy because it just shows like number one, it's an indictment on American infrastructure. Like just the fact that American, like there has been zero investment or reinvestment in the in the infrastructure in order to, you know, we have like a D rating. Yeah, like that's that's crazy. Like when you think about like somewhere like Flint, that in the 50s was you know this thriving urban center right like the main you know you had the gm plant and all the manufacturing sectors and shit that that was there and to turn around and sort of like outsource everything and just let the city essentially die right and now you have this problem that's you know coming to the fore and it's just like well look at how long America has divested from, you know, these areas and these cities and shit. And so it's like you see you see the impact with with lead as it's like hitting all the different manufacturing sectors. So you have Flint and I don't think she pointed out. I don't remember if she pointed out, but it's you know, it's a lead crisis popping in Newark right now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like it's. Yeah, the lead shit is is different. <laughs> so, where to start with lead? So, whatever you thought about how harmful lead is, it's probably worse than what you thought before. And so, the way I understand it after reading the book is that because kids brains are literally forming any exposure is magnified not just by a couple degrees of magnitude it's like exponentially fucking worse Mm -hmm. so lead paint was 
was popping in like I don't know when fifties, forties, or whatever. Yeah, because it pre was, like pre seventies. Because like, it was cheaper, and I think it really because it looked good. Yeah, and so there would be lead dust and chipping lead paint, and kids would be eating it. And yeah, because sweet. when kids are learning about the world, they use their mouths, and then they use their hands, and, right. and then they put their hands in their mouths. And yep. so, the way I understand it, when a kid's brain is forming, you have all these neurons that are blooming. And then you have neurotransmitters that tell the neurons where to go and what structures to form and where you do that and you do that and blah, 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 blah. When you get lead in there, the lead fucks with the controls of the neurotransmitters. So now, if the neurotransmitter was supposed to be like, yo, certain group of neurons, you go over there and make that part of the brain. Sometimes the lead just says, no, we're not going to do that. The neurotransmitter doesn't mm-hmm. even send that signal. So that part of the brain literally never gets formed. Or it'll send a, a fucked up signal. And now certain neurons that were supposed to go this way actually went the other way. And now you have an innate, inherently deformed right. brain. Right. So – and like Washington again continues to point out that this has been studied and studied and studied and we know how bad it is and this – largely explains a lot of like erratic behavior, underperformance on in like abstract reasoning, all that kind of stuff. And again, it's like who's hit the hardest by this shit. But yeah, there's so many different layers to the lead shit because then you also have like the industry putting out its own like the cigarette, mm-hmm. like the Philip mm-hmm. Morris's right. of of the, of the lead right. of the lead world putting Same, out like, studies. Oh, shit is, yeah, it's not that bad. bad. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Like just casting doubt as a way to sell more. And I mean and that's that's the American way when you think about it. But in terms of in terms of like the the impact of lead, it's like going back to, you know, these these cities and I'm sure it's it's in, you know, it's a growing crisis in, you know, America's like real urban center. Like I'm sure it's it's probably some shit out here that's popping, right? Um, like I said, I pointed out East New York for for example. Um, I'm sure, it's areas you know back home for me in LA in like Watts and shit that it's probably you know hasn't been renovated or remodeled in in years, right? So I think like when you look at it from the impact of it on like behavioral issues and shit like that, you also like have to like talk about how lead is impacting like just mass incarceration, like how it's how it's aiding in this school to prison pipeline where you have little kids who are, you know, who aren't well behaved based on, you know, normal quote unquote standards and shit. And are, you know, being essentially criminalized as little kids. But then you go back and you look at shit like that. You look at, like, the environments that they come from. Like, the literal, you know, the literal environment is toxic. Like, not just socially, but then you got the fucking... I know back in L.A., the smog issue is horrible. And it's really horrible on the east side of of L.A. Well, east side of South Central. And so it's shit like that where... You see how much one thing impacts the next, and it's just like this snowball effect. Well, yeah, in the in the book, there was a there was a figure 
that showed that there's a that higher levels of lead when they did like urinary lead samples predicted more like erratic and criminal aggressive behavior right which is like she's crazy and then is but and you see why like something like that could then reinforce this false idea this false notion that you know black criminality is innate and inherent you know because it's it's tied to these behavioral issues that you know arise as a result of environmental toxicity essentially and it's like you're telling me like you know black people are inherently thugs and criminals and shit but you know from people's grandparents on down have been exposed to lead and and other toxins and shit like that and so and tests have shown that these things (laughs) negatively impact how people reason and the shit that they do yet nah you just your guys are just some criminals and we just gotta throw you in jail well okay so there's a couple things to branch off from 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 the lead shit so one is that one is the precautionary principle Mm-hmm. The precautionary principle states that you ought to study something before you put it out on the market so you know it's safe. Mm-hmm. It's literally like the better safe than sorry principle. Right. The EU enacts this principle before companies can put out a chemical for use on the industrial level or whatever it is. They have to study it. And sometimes that takes a long, long time and it's very costly. Nevertheless, they have to do it because it's better safe than sorry. We here in the United States don't subscribe to the precautionary principle. It's fucking alarming. There are, according to Washington, 60,000 – is it 60,000 or 60,000 chemicals widely used on the industrial level that – we don't know their effects on the human body mm-hmm. because it's like, again, it's this primacy of the market shit. It's right. way costlier to study it and then put it out. It's better to like, in the eyes of so many people, just put it out, make the money now, and then see what, see what, the, see what, what the, the fuck happens or even see what happens and then still say, fuck it. Because right. it's like these tests, these studies t- can take millions and millions of dollars and, tens of years and so and it shows i mean it shows like the lack of you know regulation here like the the lack of legislation that's you know put in place because in the eu's case just the regulatory system there for like large-scale corporations is far more stringent so it like it's not that like cats are over there making the moral d- decision you know what I'm saying? Like if if those companies wanted to just throw out whatever product it was that they had, I'm sure they would much rather do that. But legally, they can't. The fact is, you can legally do the shit here, <laughs> like because you know our fucking corrupt ass political system. Like they've been able to push laws and deregulate to the point where these corporations can just put out shit without those you know checks and balances yeah and and again the the corporations are in a certain way i mean in terms of like their strategy to just 
God forbid they don't make an extra fucking five cents. Like, they're, I hesitate to say this, but they're they're brilliant in terms of the way they maneuver and the way they can, so in the case of, in the case of lead, all this bad PR started coming out. So they commissioned their own studies to cast doubt on mm-hmm. those. And they were behind this whole movement of putting the onus of responsibility on the individual rather than on the multinational billion dollar corporation that's just putting lead into the homes right. of millions and millions of homes. In other words, it be, and I think that most people will find this to be anecdotal, anecdotally true today, the rhetoric is not about how can we hold these companies accountable. It's all about what are you doing as an individual mm-hmm. to be healthy? Right. Are you going to the gym? Are you eating fucking organic? Are you blah, 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 blah. And I, I just find that to be so true. I don't – that's what I'm messaged with. I see it – that's what I see on the TV and in mo- mm-hmm. whatever. Like that's the prevailing narrative of right. like it's on the individual. To, you go lead a healthy life. You go on a fucking hike. There's no talk about like what the fuck is in the ground. Right. And, and that's who's based, responsible for that? And that's like based on multinational corporations having so much money and resources to shape public discourse like around these issues. It's not it's not so much that people aren't receptive to like what Washington is is, you know, putting in front of us. It's just like you said, you see it on TV, you've you've heard it, you know, from school health teachers and all of it it's all this like individualized like oh if you recycle then shit'll be cool if you eat organic then you know you'll be healthy and everything like that and it's just that's just not how this shit operates like it's just not so i think the discourse has to change more than anything um or people's exposure to like different information but the fact that multinational corporations can blanket you with information like whether now through social media whether it's on tv or anything it's just kind of like they're able like they're able to shape shit in a way that just normal you know people day to day it's just impossible to do yeah like we can't blast you with you know ads for you know hours on end we can't hit you on you know what i'm saying it's just it's it's crazy how much like how much sway that they have over discourse and so that's why shit like this will never you know like we'll never do any like real structural change because people look at it like oh i as long as i'm like separating my bottles in the trash can and and eating my kale i'm we straight yeah as long as everybody else is doing that, then we'll be straight. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's fucking terrifying because I'm all for, like, getting your health shit sorted out on an individual level. Mm-hmm. But there comes a point where it's like, as they're fucking doing construction outside. Um, yeah, it's like, it's like there might come a point in time where, you know, I'm like, well, fuck, what was all that for? If this is what I've been breathing and right. No, I mean, you can, ground. you can legit ask that question now. Yeah. Like when you think about it, like it, a study just came out. Well, not a, it was a, um, I don't know if it was a study or what, but 11,000 scientists worldwide 
signed signed their names onto the I guess it was like a, a some sort of statement or whatever about climate change and like the severity and shit, right? And so to your point, like you're you know, I'm at Whole Foods getting the organic shit and whatever, whatever, and it's like these eleven thousand scientists are saying, look, if we don't fucking regulate these corporations, get off of fossil fuels, like, you know what I'm saying? If we don't do this shit, this is over. Like, it's going to be famine. It's going to be mass migration, like all types of shit, right? So it can't be an individual endeavor. Like, it just, it can't be. Like, for the scale that we're talking about, like, this can't be like, you know, some shit that, you know, oh, if you just do your part, like, no, most of the shit, 99% of the shit comes from multinational corporations. Yeah. If you don't regulate them, I don't care how much you recycle, how much, you know, organic shit you buy or whatever. You just gonna have a bunch of organic shit in the refrigerator when it's, you know, when the fucking mass migration from the Middle East and shit like that yeah. and everybody comes over, so... Yeah, it's it's wild. And and we were talking before we started recording about how re, be, being exposed to this stuff pun, but um I'm trash. <laughs> <laughs> like sort of made me challenge or sort of second guess some of my some of I guess what I take to be parts of my personality where I'm always like the like, let's not be overly paranoid. I mean, you could tell from the way I reacted to the conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like, let's not be overly paranoid. Like, I'm sure it'll be fine. Like, drink the tap water. We're in New York. It's all good. I go to Miami. Steph is like, don't drink the tap water. I'm like, what the fuck is going to happen? I've drank. Like, it's cool. Like, nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever. Like, but now I'm... It's not that I'm like thinking – it's not that I'm a conspiracy theorist that like the government has put no. chemicals in, into the shit to make us all – intentionally make us all stupider. It's more like when you really a- appreciate the scope of what is happening in terms of the the neurotoxins and the lead and the – the gas had lead in it up until pretty right. recently. Right. And the – Phthalates, how do you pronounce that shit yeah. with the P-H-T-H? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a science guy. All that shit. <laughs> it's, just, it's just sort of, yeah, it's sort of like there's nowhere to run almost. And like you can go to the gym all you want and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, and I, I don't think it's like, I don't think you have to look at it from like the dire. We might as well just jump out the window. No, 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 no. But... It is just like I I think shit like this is actually more like liberating because it sort of, you know, it pulls back the curtain in a sense about just how shit operates. Like you have to challenge, you know, your worldview pretty much every day or you should be trying to. Right. Um, and so in, in your case, it's like a lot of people, they look at shit based on like okay this is how you know this is how i've been socialized and everything like that and then it allows you to sort of shield yourself from like mm, yeah. the shit that that you know is is out here that's fucked up like even if you aren't paying attention to it you know 
is something else to it. And it's like, and that's not necessarily conspiratorial, you know, like that's not inherently conspiratorial. And so for this, like when it comes to like all this environmental shit, like we see that it's a byproduct of capitalism and and capital being the number one shit. Like that's why cats are, you know, they aren't reinvesting in in changing the pipes and and repainting, you know, buildings and all of that kind of shit. I think the gov, was it the governor of Michigan or someone lower than that? But in the Flint thing, they had the opportunity to redo the pipes, but it was like literally just out of the budget. So they were like, no, we can't do it. And, and so you see, like, it, it makes you, it forces you to question a lot of that, like, in terms of, like, the budget. Like, we don't have the budget to make sure that there's clean water. Well, there's certain things shit. that just, this is, this is what always, I, I've, I feel like I've been trying to put my, my finger on this for a while or trying to figure out how to articulate the way I feel about certain shit when it comes to the money mm-hmm. stuff. It's like there's certain things that I think the money and the market is not is an incoherent way to look at stuff like it's oh, an incoherent course. framework to apply to something like clean air and clear clean water we shouldn't analyze stuff like that along monetary mm-hmm. lines of course not and i feel I, there was a washington quote she was quoting a scientist but a scientist said there's some things that it doesn't even make sense to talk about in terms of dollars and cents. And that's one of them. It's like the point of, of a nation is to make sure that people are protected, that people have, you know, shelter, people have food, clean water, whatever. Like this is the objective of, or should be the objective of a nation. And so when you do talk about, when you reduce it to, you know, a monetary figure, it's like, wait, so where's the press? Like, where, like, who are we, you know, prioritizing here? Yeah. And so it's like, you know, that's why when you look at Flint and you see shit like opportunity, you had opportunities to do shit or whatever and, and couldn't based on, you know, a dollar figure. And then you start to see like how that just leads it, how it trickles into other shit. And now they don't have enough money for, you know, education based on on shit. Oh, now we, you know, we do have uh, funding to open up more prisons. Right. You know, oh, the Flint, <laughs> again, it was like the going back, like, it's so much worse than I, than I thought it was. And I thought it was pretty fucking egregiously yeah. bad. What was the, is it GM over there? Is yep. that, so... GM knew the water on in the Flint River was so bad they weren't even using it to lubricate their their fucking robots and people were drinking it, it's bathing not even, in it bro it's not even considered <laughs> it's not even considered like tainted water it was considered a toxin yeah, it was considered right. like toxic no that was it was considered toxic waste not right. even right like GM wasn't they were like nah they should probably like corrode the Metals, right? And cats, oh. are, cats are drinking God, it. it makes and, my skin and crawl. Showering in it and shit like that. It's fucking, it's fucking horrifying. And I was also doing a lot of things, like because the conditions that made this 
make all this stuff possible is the fact that we have this like as uh, Richard Rothstein to bring it back to what episode was that uh, color of law yeah, author yeah. we have de jour segregation right and so that's what makes all this stuff possible I mean Washington talks about sacrifice zones mm-hmm. um, I, yeah I, I thought that was such a dope like phrase I like jotted that down in my notes like sacrifice zones is, is because those same sacrifice zones are also well, food deserts sa- sacrifice zone go so like a sacrifice zone would be um, you know an area where you do have like toxic waste uh, areas like dumps and shit like that um, areas where it's like fracking uh, other sort of like heavy chemical pumping Industries, water and, treatment plants, right. I think stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like all that shit, and that's normally in lower income areas, especially when it's like in an in an urban area, and the people who are there are obviously predominantly black and brown. Yeah. And so they're inhaling these toxins at an alarming rate. They're exposed to it on a daily. They're bathing in it, drinking it, all of this shit, and it's sort of like. When when she said sacrifice zone, it was like damn, because then you those sacrifice like I said those sacrifice zones are also food deserts. Mm. Those sacrifice zones are also heavily heavily policed. Like it it you just see like once you take a step back and it's like yeah we've we've sort of uh, entered into this through environment, but then you start to see like the multi prong you know, repression at play yeah. where it's like, damn, the school shit is fucked up. I can't get any good food. I, like it's all of it. So it's nuts. Yeah. There was some, there was some, yeah, this, this book was just populated with these little, like extremely alarming little tidbits that a lot of the time were not even the main mm-hmm. thrust of what she was talking about at that moment. But like something about, ah, there was something, some horrifying statistic about schools in Harlem public schools in Harlem mm. and the and how old the piping mm-hmm. is there and shit like that but but yeah it's scary it's it is scary it is welcome to America yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll figure out a way to fix it yeah you should run for president <laughs> <laughs> You need to get your boy Yang too. He's not my boy. That's your boy. It's you my Yang, Yang gang. Stop it. You Yang gang. I cannot fuck with Andrew Yang, bro. I I stop. I, I, Yang gang. I was I was cool with Andrew Yang up until the Medicare. For, well, his foreign policy shit was kind of trash too. But then I was really like, he has like the Medicare for all shit. And hence why we need healthcare, free, uh, a single payer healthcare system, so that people who are exposed to this type of shit, who don't have insurance and don't have the access to healthcare, can actually get fucking help. Um, so, like, looking at, at Yang, he said, like, oh, it's, uh, it's different ways to get to, you know, Medicare for all or some shit like that. And we should keep his, his logic was we should keep private insurance in place and then pump as much money into the single payer system or in order to sort of phase out you know it'll it'll basically be like you you know 
you enhance the Medicare and expand it. You, you enhance that system and expand it to the point that now just people are going to opt into that shit versus the private insurance. And it'll just, you know, based on the market, it'll just phase out. Uh, uh. Fuck out of here, man. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Based on the market. That's that's just like, yeah. So, yeah, no, no more Andrew. I hate the the market is going to solve it. Like free enterprise. That's I, I thought, so I trash. Thought, I thought he was. I can't say that I thought he was different in terms of like being market driven like that. But I did think he was a bit more perceptive in terms of like understanding that this is more structural than yeah. just straight like oh the market can you know what has the market solved nothing what what is the argument in favor for like yeah let's just roll back regulation even more and just hope it all works out what the fuck is that unless you're i mean it works if you're bill gates and bezos and shit like that but like even like fucking (laughs) fucking like milton friedman like what's the argument for like when has that ever worked of like let's just let the let's let free enterprise sort it out it'll all work out has that ever worked uh give me no. like what's the argument no because and then everybody points to like the 50s they always point to the 50s as like this you know oh capitalism was booming like post-world war ii which is true it, that's the probably the the strongest the u.s economy has ever been and you had that you know mass middle class movement like people moving into the middle class post-war and shit like that yeah but that's also when America had its, you know, strictest uh, tax on wealth, right? So like, mm. um, the wealthy the wealthy uh, population was getting taxed like a motherfucker. CEOs were only making like fifteen to one or twenty to one, like in terms oh, of salary yeah, and shit yeah, like yeah. that. So it was just like. It was heavily regulated. Yeah, I actually, that you're, yeah, I, I hear that often where it's like people always want to go back to the supposed golden age, but they're, but like actually it wasn't, it wasn't right? golden. You, you it have was, the, is, you have the neocons yeah. saying, let's go back to that, but it's like, okay, yeah, let's do it because yeah. you were getting, right, because all of you, you were, you were getting taxed. Yeah. So it's like at this point, you aren't like Jeff Bezos is paying like zero taxes and shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's crazy. And yeah. So if you want to go back to the 50s, that's fine. That's kind of what the whole Bernie shit is. Like Everybody's like throwing this socialist shit out. Like, y'all better uh, rock with Bernie now while he's like trying to save capitalism. Because you got a generation of people who are just like, fuck it. We'll burn this motherfucker down. Yeah. Coming after him. So it's like, and, that, and it's funny that it's like the same sort of thing with FDR like FDR came through and, and was like he he's you know he was one of the rich elites or wealthy elites but he had to go to his circle and tell them like look y'all gonna have to give up some of y'all money and you know we gonna have to expand these social programs and do all of this shit otherwise these motherfuckers are they gonna eat y'all yeah and we're basically at that same moment where it's like Bernie is that only option where it's like, look, let's get into this regulation. Like, let's do this shit the way I'm I'm trying to map it out. Otherwise, you have a fucking problem. So, yeah. Yeah. Bernie 2020. Bernie 2020. 
No, you don't. No, don't. I don't want to. You're no, you're Yang Gang. I'm not Yang Gang. No. <laughs> no, that's so. Why do I cringe? That's so cringe. I'm not Yang Gang. <laughs> Yang Gang. I'm not Yang Gang. But yeah. Again, someone hit me to the what the free market has has sorted out on its own. Yeah, I, I'm I'm dying to hear it as as well. Yeah, that'd be great because it doesn't seem like it's really. No, nah, we'll lead. Be, lead didn't work out. It wasn't like ah, oh, yeah. We'll be like waiting the, here. The lead, lead cigarettes. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of shit. So nah, yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, we'll be back soon. Yeah, we'll be back. Maybe do a part two on this shit. We probably need a part two. Yeah, yeah. There's some other shit I want to definitely go more in depth with. Yeah, and I actually haven't advanced my argument in favor. Right, right. Um, we didn't get to that part yet. Yeah, yeah. You're a you're a horrible white supremacist. <laughs> this is like I'm anticipating the deep fake shit where they can just make you say whatever. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it now. All right, thanks everyone. Later. Peace. Now that you mention it, yeah.